Welcome to C3 Belconnen. We hope you enjoy our latest Sunday message by Pastor Nick Hine. Having fun here today. We, uh, end of the nine o'clock felt like we could have, I don't know about you, Wade, but the end of the nine o'clock felt like we could have just started the 11 there, right? I sort of... But I felt we needed to give a few people a break. Uh, and this is a good place to be. I'm so glad you chose to be here today. You know, life is moments and it's also choices. Sometimes we can live too much for the moments and expect God to do it all. Or sometimes we live so much by choice that we never give room for God to do what He wants to do. So I'm so pleased that some of you made a choice to come here and had a moment with God. And I'm really hoping that an encounter with God is going to lead to some decisions and some action in your world too. We're called to partner with God in what He's doing in our lives. How cool is that? Not just to hang back or to do it all on God's behalf. So much of this life of faith is about holding things together instead of just going to one extreme or the other. I'm going to unpack it a little bit more as a gather around God's words today. Thank you guys. You guys grab a seat. You've done so much hard work today and blessed us. Thank you team. So proud of you. So I love being a part of a church that, that worships together. You know, you showing up is a big part of the picture. So thank you guys for coming here with expectant hearts, ready to see what God wants to do. I'm looking forward to uh, part two of this current series that we're in called The Village. And we're talking ultimately about creating community. It's a time of year when we make sure we're focused on the main thing as the church. And maybe you're new to church life. There's people here every week taking us out for the first time, maybe moving into town. Maybe uh, you've come with a friend or family member and uh, really hope you have a great time. And this is a season where we talk a bit about what matters most to us as a church, remind ourselves about what it's all about, not getting distracted by all that we could do, but what must we do. And uh, for us as a church, the way we sum that up is to help people follow Jesus together. And that's a picture of community. That is not just me living out uh, my faith in an individualistic way. But we say faith is something incredibly personal, but it's not individualistic. It's personal, but it is lived out in community. That's the call of following Jesus, is to get alongside others and to go on a journey together, to learn from each other, to learn together to have a few of the rough edges knocked off us. In fact, you're better off, I believe, staying in an imperfect environment and allowing God to work with you and maybe deal with you around some stuff than you are trying to search out the perfect environment. Because the problem is you show up and it's not perfect anymore. I mean, you're great, right? But, but you've got a few lumps and bumps and rough edges. And, and uh, I mean, too many people searching for the perfect place the per- where it's all going to line up and God just wants to work with us right where we're at, right where, you, where you'll live out your life this week, right in your home, in your family. You're not waiting for everybody else to change and God to deal with all of them, but hey, what is it that you're calling me into, Lord? And so as we unpack this even further, we talked about the power of gathering last week, and that's a core value for us, just being together, just deciding to show up. We'll talk next week about an extension of that that's getting into groups. That's how we grow best together. But today I want to talk about what I actually say is the, the glue of community, and that is an attitude and a mindset of giving. And I want to enlarge where you just went right in that moment because you went to your wallet right then. 
right? You went there because giving, we so often attach to uh, that part of our world. I want to tell you the idea of giving is far greater than that. In fact, giving is the way God gets things done. Giving is the way of the kingdom. God's economy works around giving. Let me, let me help you understand how this is the glue of community. We've been doing a little bit of uh, work around our house over the last little while, or more accurately, other people were doing some work around our house recently. Uh, we were blessed with this miraculous provision in our world about seven years ago as, uh, as we moved into what, what's kind of our dream home. And uh, we knew when we did that, God had made a way for us that we couldn't have made. Uh, but that at some point in the not too distant future, there'd be some things that needed a bit of work. And so we found ourselves recently in a position to start that process. And what started to happen for the first time, we, it wasn't me bumbling along trying to get something done, but we actually got someone else to do it. And what happened was things would show up out the front of our house like magic. We'd get home from work and there's a giant pile of timber. And get home a few days later and there's a pile of bricks or pavers and or some big bits of steel. All these things kept showing up and they were super impressive. But what I quickly came to realize was the most important thing was the small boxes. Not the big piles, but the little, the little boxes. There were the boxes of screws, the boxes of nails, the, the fasteners, the hinges, the little bags of concrete, the glue, all the things that held all these parts together and shaped them up into a form that was useful and coherent. It's one thing to have a whole bunch of building materials. It's another thing to have what connects it all together. And God gives us pictures of what it is to journey together in his word that powerfully remind us that actually this attitude and mindset of giving is the glue of community. It is what brings us all together. So I've been in environments all week and pretty much every week where there are collections of people. There are queues that I have been in. I sometimes, like you do, sit in uh, rooms or offices waiting for my turn, and there are many people there, but we are not connected. And there are other environments that I am a part of where we've all come with something to contribute or to bring, and we are connected, and there is a sense of community. You see, just a collection of people doesn't make a community. An attitude and an underlying mindset of giving and generosity is the glue that brings us together. Our core scripture as a church is out of Ephesians chapter 2, and it paints exactly this picture. In the message translation, it uses a great turn of phrase. This is God is building a home, not throwing a pile of materials together. He's building a home. He's using us all, every one of us, in what he's building. So now he's using you fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God. All of us built into it, not hanging around it, formed into it, this place in which God is quite at home. God has taken each one of us and putting us together, not a collection of random materials, but putting us together in a way and in a shape that does something powerful and that he inhabits. Ephesians chapter 4 uh, expands on this picture a little bit, and I think we're picking it up in about verse uh, 16 today. And after talking to us uh, about what it looks like to be growing and mature in God after a passage that tells us that every one of us is gifted and called, and God wants to use all of us in what he is doing, it says this, he makes, Jesus, the whole body fit together perfectly. 
as each part does its own special work, as you do your thing and I do my thing and we bring it all together, it helps the other parts grow so that the end result is holistic. The whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. As you and I discover that we have something to give and we commit to doing that together, God shapes up His plan and His purpose in and through us. We're called to be a part of community and giving and mindset of generosity is the glue that brings all of this together. See, ultimately, giving is the way God gets things done. From start to finish of His Word, God doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't work by paying. He is not in debt. God gives. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. We're so undeserving of all that God has, and yet He gives. That's what giving is. It's not attached to what you deserve. It's a choice by someone else to send something your way. In fact, giving, I think, we can sum up for us as individuals. Giving is God's ability flowing through us. Giving is God's ability flowing through us towards others. Nothing that we have, enjoy, or experience is from us. And it's not all for us. It's all from God, and it's for His glory. But you discover, instead of living a life that is about what you can get, if we are able to live a life that is about allowing God's ability to flow through us, discover that is the way to live a God-sized kind of life. Discover that's a way to journey together and a way that allows God to do all He wants to do. If I was to try and you know, give you a, a little phrase that, that encapsulates that, it's the idea of not just ability, but connected ability. What happens when all those parts are properly joined together? You know, there's a, a story that I was reminded of this week reading a, a leadership book that I read many, many years ago, and it's a, it's, a, it's a bit of a cliched sort of story, but it just really paints this picture so simply that at a, at a gathering, at an event like you know, the, maybe the Canberra Show or one of those uh, fairs, those collections where people bring all the animals in and check them out, that's what those you know, community events used to be all about, there were these, this competition amongst the draft horses who could pull the most load and came down to the two uh, top horses and one pulled a little bit more than the other and uh, there was a clear winner. But then the, those involved got to thinking, I wonder what would happen if we hitched them up together. We now know what they can do individually. What happens when we hook them up to a load together and they kept loading up and loading up and loading up and they thought, well, maybe it's around double. That would make sense, right? If you can pull this and you can pull that. What happens when we put you together? Well, you can pull a larger amount but it's commensurate to what you can do individually. And what they went on to discover was that it wasn't double. It was closer to three or four times what they could do individually. And what a great picture of what it looks like when you and I commit to journeying together. There are days when I'm going to need you to pull a bit more of the load. And there'll be days when you're going to need somebody else to help get things moving as well. But, you know, the, the ultimate picture is that we are actually called to have our abilities, our gifts, all that God has given us in community, connected together to be a part of what God is doing that is greater than the sum of our parts. God is fitting us all together, taking us on an incredible journey as you realize that He has put stuff on the inside of you. Maybe that's, that's your shift today, is to be reminded, or maybe to hear for the very first time, that God has put something in you that is worth giving. Maybe that's finance, maybe that's resources, maybe that's your time, your encouragement, 
your abilities, maybe your experiences that you can bring uh, to bear. The Bible tells us that God has given each and every one of us by His Holy Spirit in gifts that are specially used for building up the body of Christ, for making this place greater than the sum of its parts. It says there are no exceptions. Every single one of us. Romans chapter 12 just unpacks this a little bit for us. I think we can pop that up on the screens there. It says, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. And this last little phrase there, awkward, and we all belong to each other. We all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us, the next verse says, different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you, and then it goes on to list, Romans 12, if you want to do some homework, starts to list out 1 Corinthians in chapters sort of 11 through to 13, gives us this picture of the gifts as well, these things that God has enabled us to do, prophesy, speaking out with faith and encouraging others, all these things that God has put on the inside of us for the benefit of others. We are all parts, we all have different gifts, and we all belong to each other, all given something that is actually going to be a benefit and a blessing to other people. Every single one of us has a part to play. You know what the incredible picture is? That ultimately, a life of faith in Jesus Christ is lived in response to outrageous generosity. A life of faith in Jesus Christ is lived in response to outrageous generosity. God's gift of his son, Jesus, was an outrageous, extravagant, ridiculous, over-the-top, irrational, irresponsible blessing and gift into your world. I don't know if you've heard a story in the Bible. It's often titled The Prodigal Son. It talks about a, a son who wanted his inheritance from his father. And so we read this story thinking about this guy who went away and came back. Well, there are actually two sons. There was another son who had it all and stayed in his place and looked initially like the better son. The other one took his share, went away and wasted it all. So it's not really about the prodigal son. We think prodigal means wandering away. Actually, prodigal means wasteful. Well, actually, more correctly, prodigal means extravagant to the point of wastefulness. And the real prodigal in the whole story, it should be titled the prodigal father. Because the father was the most generous and the most extravagant one in the whole picture. Because this father lived in a generous and extravagant way towards the son who was with him and towards the one who went away as well. And when the one came back undeserving, having disgraced himself, shamed his father, the, the layers of, of this story, the layers of what this young man did to his father go so deep. In our culture, we just miss so much of it. But in those days, it was, he'd, he'd effectively said to his father, I wish you were dead. And then he'd taken everything and squandered it in all of the most wrong ways. He would have come back into a village where he had disgraced his whole family and would have been the ultimate walk of shame. And if you read the story carefully, his father met him outside the village, ran, covered him with his cloak so that his son didn't even walk back through in shame. The father took on his shame. Does it sound a little familiar? Maybe. It's a picture of what Jesus did for us. The father was the extravagant one. The father was the correct term prodigal in that story. Extravagant to the point of wastefulness. If you're a follower of Jesus, your life is lived in response 
the most outrageous generosity. And so here's, here's my thinking today, and hopefully I've set it up enough that people don't start to walk out when I say this. Is that I think proof of life, proof of faith in followers of Jesus, if God has touched down in your world, your life has to be lived with a generous spirit. It has to be lived with a spirit that is not holding back and withdrawing from others. But the evidence of God at work in your world is the way that you live large towards other people. I don't believe it's possible to live a growing, dynamic, healthy. I'm not saying that you're not saved. and I mean, we're not going to get down that debate. But it's pretty clear evidence in God's word that if what he's really done is touched, what he's done is really touched down in our lives, it'll lead to an incredible response. 1 John 4, if, if you want some backup for this, says that it doesn't matter if you say you love a God who you can't see if you cannot show love for the people that you can see who are right around you. It says that, that God does, cannot put those two things together. A love for God leads to a love for people. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I'll just read a part of this out to you. This is an incredible passage on giving, and it's easy to read it thinking it's just about finances, but Paul is writing so masterfully to people using a practical example to paint a spiritual principle. And he's writing to one group of people about being generous towards another group of people because he did that everywhere he went. He said, hey, it's so good to be here with you. and You're doing such an incredible job. There's another bunch of people who made it possible for me to be here. So why don't you think about being a blessing to this place that I'm about to go next and you'll be connected to them. He was a master at weaving us into community. And this is what he writes to this church in verse 10. I'm just going to read it. I won't put it on the screens because I don't want you to get distracted. In verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 9, it says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Can I just pause there for a moment and, and just take a, a quick little detour? He gives seed to the farmer and bread to eat. You can do two things with seed. You can grind it up and make bread out of it, and it'll supply your needs in a moment. You can also plant it in the ground where it will produce a harvest that contains what is needed for the future. It also multiplies. It tells us that God does both. It's, it's actually kind of immature to live at one end of the spectrum or the other. One end says, it's all about me, so I'm just going to consume it. The other end says, I'm awkward and uncomfortable with having anything, so I'll, I'll actually consider it more spiritual and more right to be destitute and just never deal with anything. And that's more spiritual. Actually, God says, no, the place of maturity is understanding that I love you. And I want to provide for you, but it's not all for you. That you're supposed to have what you need, and his commitment is to provide for you. But the bigger commitment is that everything he puts in your hands is for his glory. He's not just given you seed for bread, and he's not just given you seed to sow, he's given you both. And the challenge of maturing in a life, walking a life of faith in God is to say, hey, I've actually got my needs supplied, but it's not all about that. I've actually got a bigger call on my life to be a harvester to be a sower, to be someone who lives generous. Let me read to you as it goes on. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Not just in the moments when you think you've got more than you need. When was the last one of them, right? And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So he gets glory. So two things, one, two, will result from this ministry of giving, not this act of giving, 
not this obligation of giving. Thank you, James Manning. It's not an obligation, right? It's an opportunity. Two things will happen. It's a ministry. It's God working through you. Two things will happen. The needs of others will be met, and they'll joyfully express thanksgiving to God. God will be glorified, and things will get done. As a result of your ministry, they'll give glory to God for your generosity to them, and all believers will prove, oh, this hurts, it'll prove your generosity, your life lived outwardly will prove that you're obedient to the words of Christ. You're obedient to the good news of Jesus. Hang on. That's a bit too pointed. That's a bit too practical. You mean my generous attitude towards others is evidence that I fully understand and have received God's generosity towards me? Oh, that's painful. I think it's proof of life in individuals and in a community of faith that if we're really following Jesus, if we're really connected to the heart of God, there'll be a spirit of generosity about us and about this place. Now pray for you, it says, with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. And this is, this is why this passage is so brilliant. And Paul wraps it all up with this final phrase. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And there is no disagreement amongst commentators at all that that is talking directly about Jesus. He says, here's a way to live generously towards others. It's going to result in thanksgiving and glory to God. And he just ties it all up neatly together and say, hey, this is all of us, our response towards his generosity and grace towards us. All about what he has done for us. There's an incredible picture in Acts chapter 4 that we'll have a really quick look at right now that I just love so much. It's a picture of the early church as God's getting things going in this community of ragtag bunch of people who've just been thrown together as followers of Jesus with probably as many things to divide them as they were to bring them together outside of him. But they've been radically transformed because they've come into faith in the risen Lord. And this is what happens in Acts chapter 4 as we pick up uh, the story. tells us about this community of faith and highlights this one particular guy called Barnabas. And uh, we got that up on the screen. It says, all the believers were united in heart and mind. And that actually uh, is rendered in some versions, they were of one accord. I love that idea of unity. But let me tell you, unity is not uniformity. Unity is not everyone's beige. Unity is full color. It's everything in its right place. Everybody bringing their bit to play. Not everybody doing the same thing. Unity is not uniformity. It says they're of one heart and one mind, determined to bring all of their diversity together for God's glory. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. That They lived in an unreserved kind of way towards others. So they shared everything that they had. The apostles testified powerfully. So in that atmosphere of generosity, of unreserved living towards each other, this is what happened. They testified powerfully to the resurrection of the, Lord's, of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them, because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was a guy called Joseph, the one they nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. Now, he sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles, full stop. It's the end of that chapter. You know, the very next chapter is about some people who pretended to be generous, but were actually stingy and withholding. If you want some homework, read that one. It's terrifying. It's, oh, wow, it's full on. There's a reason these two stories are put end to end. The chapters weren't there. The, the breaks, the dots, the big numbers in your Bible, they, they, didn't, they weren't always there. This is an incredible 
highlighting the contrast for us about what it looks like when followers of Jesus come together in an unreserved kind of way. Now, don't just take that as like, I'm only a real follower of Jesus if I sell my house. Hey, if God's laying that on your heart, come chat. Uh, but no, no, that's, that's not the only way to do it. That's not the only way. We're actually called to maybe respond to God in the big moments, but also live a life with these principles in play every single day. Living generously to work towards others. What an incredible picture of a dynamic environment where God moves in power, where people are not just living for themselves, when they're not showing up thinking, what can I get out of this thing today? But they're showing up thinking, what can I give? What can I sow into somebody else's life? How am I using my time, my talent, my energy? I mean, maybe for you today, the, the thought is to start a journey of discovering what God's put in you. Maybe it's about getting in a group and asking some questions about that. If you want to dig into that even more, there are uh, things we can help you with. We can sit down with some of our team and do spiritual gifts tests and figure out, hey, how has God wired me? What's in me? How can I bring that to bear? Let us know on those connection cards. We'd love to help you go on that journey. Maybe for you, the challenge was what James shared earlier, actually deciding that in response to God, I'm going to be generous with my resources, with my finances. I'm going to be generous towards others. I'm going to be generous towards God and His house. I'm going to be a part of what He is doing. Maybe you're going to look across your busy, packed out, jammed up world and go, where is the space for me to be generous with time towards others? Where have I carved out enough room to be present with somebody who needs me to be? Where have I made space to allow God to use me? Or is it all so filled up that there's not even an opportunity in my world? Maybe your decision is to say, hey, I'm going to get on board and get in a team and serve alongside others. I'm going to understand and put into practice this idea of connected ability, right? Of not just me on my own doing this, but what if I became a part of the whole? You ever seen an example of a bunch of superstars who don't know how to work well as a team getting roundly beaten by a bunch of hardworking, reasonably skilled people who know each other inside out and know how to coordinate and connect their abilities far more than just the individual superstars can. It's one of the most powerful things God has given us is the ability to walk this journey out together. I said before that uh, we are upheld by this generous spirit that is around us. Let me show you what it says in Psalm chapter 51 and verse 12. I love this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Salvation is an expression, is a, is a result of God's extravagant generosity towards you and I. And we're then called to live out of that with a generous spirit. Salvation is God's outrageous generosity in our lives. And it should result in the same in our world. This outflowing, outworking of God's power and his presence in each and every one of us, connecting us together. See, giving ultimately connects. Giving connects. Giving is the glue of community. I'll get the team to come as we wrap up here and help me out. Giving connects you with people. Something leaves your world and touches down in somebody else's world. It creates connections and bonds. Giving connects you with passion. Doing something out of obligation is draining. Doing something out of passion brings life. Find out how you're wired, what you love to do, and figure out how to use it for God's glory, and you'll never run dry. Giving connects you with passion. 
Giving connects you with a sense of purpose as you begin to see not just what's going on in your own world, but what is happening around you as you invest in the lives of others, as you sow into a sense of community, you are connected with purpose. In fact, giving connects you with provision. From the front to the back of God's word is that clear example that the, the, the way we're called to live is not about trying to hold on to it all ourselves. It's not, you know, here's the real challenge that God doesn't respond to us in terms of provision based on what we want or what we need. Most of us live like it's one way or the other. I want all of this, then God should should take care of it. I need this, God should take care of it. No, 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 he responds to faith. Faith is expecting him to be who he is. Faith, Faith is generous. Faith is an active provision in your world flows as there's outflow from your world. It's the way God always has worked and always will. It's a principle of the kingdom of God. Provision flows as you're connected, as you're living a life of generosity towards others. Finally, giving connects you with God's plan. Attaches you to what He's doing, His bigger purpose. It knits you into the, the grand narrative of God's mission on this earth. Sows you into a place like this that is a part of God's plan for this planet, the body of Christ. Just as we each do our own special work, we're a part of what He's doing. We're knitted in together, we're sewn in together, and the whole thing benefits as you and I show up with an attitude of generosity towards others. Thanks for listening to our latest Sunday message. If you would like to find out more about our church, visit www.c3belconnen.org.au.